You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Last Sunday, it was uh, uh, the introduction, the opening um, uh, or the first installment of our series, Truth Be Told. And Pastor Chico, I believe, greater, uh, did a great job in opening our series. And the Word of God states, and Jesus really admonished and expressed that there are certain things hidden from a lot of people. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So they were a bit confused, but God used that opportunity to hammer a point. What is His point? In order for us to understand the scripture, the text, and what we're uh, about to uh, discuss, Let's step into the context. In order for you to know what God is uh, uh, trying to communicate, there is uh, or there are passages before this. Do you understand? For you to understand where, where, where Christ is coming from, it says in Matthew 3. Okay? Say the number 3. 3. Good. John the Baptist, you're familiar with John the Baptist? Announced, he declared, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I don't know if that was the tone of his voice. And the king is coming. He is here to usher in the kingdom of God. And He is the coming Messiah. And He will usher the kingdom of God. But the question you need to ask yourself, I don't see it. I don't see that Christ is the coming Messiah. Is He really the Messiah? But 10 chapters after Matthew 3, remember, after 10 chapters, okay, you are in chapter 13 of the book of Matthew. And... The parable that is discussed in Matthew 13 is okay, the same with Luke chapter 13. Do you understand this? That it talks about the parable of the mustard seed. Before we jump into this parable, we need to understand that 10 chapters after, there was not really a lot of actions. Do you understand? How many of you here when you're reading the Bible in the Old Testament, marami action po. There are a lot of uh, really what? Uh, extrajudicial killing. Do you understand? I'm not pertaining to anyone. So, if you take a closer look, okay, 10 chapters, if he is saying that he is the Messiah, that he is the coming king, how, why, how come that uh, some people are trying to keep their distance from this guy, from Jesus Christ? Religious people are trying to plot uh, and kill him. And everybody thought, okay, that if he's the Messiah, people will what patronize and flock towards him. But only a few people would rally around him. This is why they begin to question. Okay? If he's really the Messiah, he's the coming king, will he uh, really usher the kingdom of God? Because the whole parable speaks of ushering the kingdom of God. And if you came to know the Lord, you have the kingdom of God in you. Amen? So as we look forward to the kingdom or the coming of the kingdom of God, it is totally complete. The kingdom of God is complete. So when I say there is the coming completion, okay, through the Lord Jesus Christ, I, want, I don't want you to be confused that is it incomplete? It is complete. But we are looking forward with excitement of the fulfillment of the kingdom right before our eyes. Amen. Do you understand? It's like saying that yes, you fumble and fall, but when you have Christ in your what? In your life, you are His righteousness. Are you perfect? Not. Okay? You're not perfect. But you are His righteousness. Therefore, you can approach God anytime, anywhere, 24-7 with no noon break. 
that you are righteous in the eyes of God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But the day will come that you will understand what righteousness is all about because at the end of the day, whatever we've been through, whatever problems we have encountered, we will come out of this life victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So don't lose heart. That is what we look forward to. That we will be victorious in Christ's name. So the whole point of parables is to challenge the way people think. And that is what exactly Jesus, what Jesus is up to here. So why do we have parables? Why not just give the main point instead of telling his story? Because he wants to reveal something to his followers and conceal the secrets of the kingdom to those that are indifferent. How many of you here, you have friends? Anybody here, you have friends? If you don't have one, raise your hand, pretend that you have one. You will find one in Jesus' name. Anybody here? If you have a friend, a close friend, you look at that person. My, my wife is my best friend. Coming here, she had to stare at me, and I know what, what she's trying to tell me. Okay? You bald pastor. No, no, no. That's not what she's trying to she loves me. But if you have a friend, if you have somebody that you have uh, really a relationship with, just a stare. Look at that person. You know there is something fishy. Do you understand? And this is what God is trying to say. I'm, I'm using a parable as a comparison to what I'm trying to communicate. And if you don't have Christ in your heart, you, you won't understand what He's trying to convey. This is why some of you here today that you opted to open your Bible and read the Bible, you can't understand any phrase or word okay, from that literature or from, from the Word of God. Because you're beginning to get into the groove that I am a, a, a follower of Christ and eventually you're surprised. You're beginning to understand the Word of God. Amen. Because you came to know God and you understand the culture and the language of God. That is what a follower and a believer is. And this is why some of you here, you're probably are, are, are a, a visitor here and this is your first time to come in our midst and we're not trying to judge anyone. You're welcome and you're invited to come over. But I want you to consider inviting Christ in your life as your Lord and Savior. Because this is not just about church. This is not just about religion. This is about you and His kingdom. And the more that you soak and bask in who God is and His reign and His rulership, you will be surprised. Transformation is beginning to take place. I can't even imagine why I'm changing. The left of my own devices, when I am alone, I just can't help but repent of my sins. Because indeed, my relationship with God prompts me that I should do what pleases God. Amen. This is why a parable is intended for people that are willing to embrace who God is. So in order for us to fully appreciate what a parable is, we need to take it from the perspective of those people that are listening during the time, from their vantage point, from their context. A parable has one point or one message. Some have two, but most of the time, it uh, really communicates one idea so you won't get lost. And after hearing this idea, your perception of the message will change. So it is important that all of us will know what the parable of a mustard seed is all about. And Christ gave this parable 
Okay? Because the whole point of the parable is to challenge all of us in our way of thinking. This is why a while ago I've mentioned that parables are given to reveal His kingdom to His followers. How many of you here, you are fully convinced that you're a follower of Christ? Good. And conceal it to those who are indifferent. And for those who are trusting Jesus, that He is indeed the promised King. The parables were helping them understand what kind of king he is and what kind of kingdom he is ushering in. And in Israel, I've been asking people left and right, how come you don't believe in Jesus as your Messiah? Because they're expecting for a political king like King David riding in a white horse with a white sword in a white castle. And that, uh, that last part, it's, it's not okay. They, they, just riding a white horse. But this is not what Jesus is trying to convey. This is not what, just, what Christ is trying to communicate. He was simply saying, I will reveal okay, my mystery, my secret to the people. Okay, to those who okay, would accept me, invite me in their lives. Who acknowledge me and who will acknowledge me. And it's written in Matthew 13, verse 16 to 17. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Isn't that amazing? The people like us who came to know God have this understanding of what God is up to. To people like us, to us it has been given by God. And more will be given to us. Why did the disciples understand and believe while so many others didn't. It was because of the mercy and the grace of God. And some of you here, you're, you're seated and before, the gospel is foolishness to you. Raising your hand and worshiping God is, is, is something that you find really not your thing. But how come in your growth and understanding of God, and every time you see the cross, it's no longer a, 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 a foolishness, but it is what? Your forgiveness. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone. The things of God are, are, are things that you hold dear to your heart. How, what, what made it change? What happened? Because of that understanding that you're no longer of this world, but you're part of the kingdom of God. This is why. A lot of people won't and don't understand what we're up to and what we're doing every Sunday. Why serve? Why give? Why attend? Why go out of your way? Why sacrifice? And we will try our best to explain where we are coming from, but they will not understand unless the mercy of God is provided. And we are a product of God's grace and mercy. Amen. And the reason why we can understand the kingdom, because I'm a product of God's grace and mercy. God has been good to me. And some people won't understand why, while you're crying in worship. Why do you need to read your Bible every single day? Why you're faithful, even if people will not see you? Because the kingdom of God has made an impact in my life. And the kingdom of God is alive in me. Then Jesus asks, this is our text. Okay, our main text. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? And this question is synonymous to what is the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom of God? Because this subject 
is broad. It spans all of Scripture. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of God is simply the redemptive rule or reign of God in Christ Jesus. The fundamental word here, rule or reign, okay, we're talking about the kingdom. We're talking about the authority and the sovereignty of God as king. The reason why it plays redemptive, this phrase is used to describe how God is asserting His authority in the redemption of sinners through Christ, through the promised Messiah. God is redeeming. And if you're familiar, that if there is a dark place in your alley, your city, your house, your, what, your default reaction is to put a, what, a light bulb. You want everything lighted, right? Now, I want you to imagine with me, okay? If given a chance to put light bulbs all over your house, I know that you will maximize every nook and cranny of your house. You'll put, let's not talk about electric, electrical bills. You will put light bulbs at night, right? Because you want everything lighted. And this is what I feel like. This is a picture in my mind when it comes to what God is doing. The yes, His kingdom is complete, but He is beginning to what? Conquer areas and places in this planet. Why go to Israel? It's dark. I was there two years ago during the rocket at- attacks in my tenure in my state two years ago. Okay? The other side from the West Bank, okay, shoot 4,500 missiles. I was in the heart of the city. Now, that's not, not something that I would want to recommend, okay, as a tourist attraction. <laughs> but I realize one thing. I need to pray. I need to ask God for protection. But isn't it amazing that the gospel is aggressive, the kingdom of God is advancing? And for some of us here, probably, you have a, what, a, a shallow understanding of the kingdom. If the kingdom of God is advancing, I, I don't care about it. If it's advancing, so be it. I just don't want... If you know it's advancing, why don't you indulge yourself? That we're not fighting from a defensive mode, but what? From an offensive mode. Because the kingdom of God is advancing. This is why I'm thankful for somebody who shared the gospel to me. I was second year high school. And somebody went out of his way to share the gospel with me. What if the person opted to be defensive? What if that person who shared the gospel, they opted to stay at home? But the person has a clear understanding that the kingdom of God will move forward. The kingdom of God will advance. Therefore, I want to join the bandwagon. How many of you here? Okay. You love basketball. If your team is going to win tomorrow, guaranteed to win and get the championship ring, will you come out? And play the game or stay put and remain passive. I want to join the game because, man, I'm guaranteed to win and I want to savor the glory. Remember this your understanding, if you are a follower of Christ, of the kingdom, will greatly influence the way you live your life. If you have not been promoted in your office for the past five years, I'm not saying that you just have to. You just have to accept your destiny. Believe God. Trust God. But that's not your definition. That's not your definition of success. Even though I'm not advancing, even though at times I, I feel certain ailments in my body, at the end of the day, my kingdom will win. If for the past 40 years you've been looking for the right one, and you're looking... For the right man or woman, that's not what life is. Remaining single, 
is not your definition. There is a bigger objective than finding the love of your life. And that is to serve the kingdom of God. Because with all the, 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 the bloopers and blunders that we have done and as we continue to move forward and move forward every single day, it's not a guarantee. And I cannot guarantee and it will. Okay. It will frustrate you that life is not perfect. Amen. Some of you are still convinced that life is perfect. It will not be perfect. While we're alive, things might not turn out the way you want it to turn out. By the end of the day, our kingdom is winning. That's the only thing that matters in life. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is not an incantation that you mention this and everything will fall in the right places. This is not going to work if you don't understand the kingdom. That is, kingdom has already come. And the more that you pray, you're simply saying, Lord, I'm imagining that you're conquering certain dark areas of my life. You're conquering the heart of my father who has been rejecting God. You're conquering, you're trying to subdue certain parts in our offices, in our government. I mean, a lot of us here, we have a lot of reactions because we did not vote for our president. That's your call. But my point is, when was the last time you prayed for our president? You know what? I've been praying for the past two weeks. I want to meet the president. I want to approach him and sir, can I pray for you? Because at the end of the day, we can change everything, all the external forces, and give him, uh, 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 and probably attack who he is and what he's up to. But I'm telling you right now, that will not solve the problem until you pray. Until the kingdom of God subdue certain areas of our government. So you don't have the right to complain if you're not even praying for our government. It is embarrassing for people who loves to complain and can't even pray. Because you're simply saying, my spirit can solve this problem. No. My approach, my, my, my reaction, my, my, my shout-outs. Okay, can welcome the kingdom of God? No, when you pray and declare, God, I'm, I'm taking this from an offensive posture. The kingdom of God will come. Nobody can stop the kingdom of God. And when you realize and appreciate that, that nobody can stop the kingdom of God, you can sit back, relax, and enjoy. Tanggap mo na eh. Alam mo, tanggap ko ng kalbo ko eh. Let's face it. Yung mga kalbo, pilit to eh. They're trying to just patronize me, okay? Yeah, some of you here are not well rested because you can't accept the fact. The truth will set you free. I'm just kidding. I am fully convinced no matter what will happen in my life, even if I fail and I fumble and fall, I'm not saying I'll sin. I'll, I'll fail. As a husband, as a father, as a minister, I'll make mistakes. But this kingdom will advance. So when you pray and you ask that His kingdom will come, you know that you're advancing. Your posture is you're leaning forward. You're not relaxing because you will win. In Matthew 6, 3, it says right here, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What if it will not be added unto you? It's okay. The kingdom is advancing. So once in a while, we, when we are depressed, under this, that's okay. I will trust God that I'll be, I'll be inspired, I'll be encouraged by His word. But if I will not see what I've been praying for and what I'm asking God for, that's okay. Ultimately, 
we will win. Because God is constantly advancing. That's the reason why if you're asking some of our leaders, why do you have to go to 10 days mission? Because we know it's advancing. I will not be a Christian if I know at the end of the day I will lose. I love, how many of you here you love winning? How many of you here, it's your joy. You've been praying, fasting to lose. Anybody here? <laughs> you woke up this morning and your desire, Lord, grant my request. I want to lose in this life. <laughs> this is why this, this concept of the kingdom of God is important. Because at the end of the day, it's guaranteed we will fumble and fall. But at the end of the day, if you summarize all of this, we're winners. We're champions in Christ Jesus. So when you understand that the king is here and his kingdom is advancing, there is a posture of confidence. That the king is here and his kingdom is advancing. This is what we're reading in the book of Matthew. God's rule and reign over disease and disasters. And death is being asserted redemptively through Christ. So there is a real sense in which the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is present. And if you're a follower of Christ, you can feel it. Jesus is talking about how the kingdom of heaven will come. And when you acknowledge Christ, it has been birthed in your heart, in your life. Thus, you might not see it, but you know. When you connect with God, when you come here, when you worship God, when you open your Bible, you know it is real. It is breaking right now, though it will start small. This is why our passage this afternoon, it says right here, then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? And we did talk about it. What shall I compare it to? That is what a parable does. It compares to what? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Jesus tells the parable of the mustard seed to illustrate how outwardly the kingdom grows from insignificant beginning to an extravagant end. I'm giving you the upper hand to do your research what a mustard seed is during the time in Palestine. It's the smallest seed. And God is using it as, a, as an example that everything will start small. I can remember the context here. This is the Messiah who's supposed to be ushering the kingdom of God. People cannot understand that he was born in a manger. This is not who King David is. He will come in a white horse with all grandeur. Okay? And superiority. Christ was trying to break the code that this is not how I will unfold my kingdom. It seems small and and it's insignificant. This is contrary to what people are expecting. That Christ will come from a place that is regarded as something significant. So Jesus opted for the smallest seed possible so that he, wants, he can hammer a point. And he wants to communicate to all of us, this is how my kingdom will advance and if you take a closer look, how did you grow in your walk with God? You came here, attended a service, attended a small group, opened your Bible. You started small. But here you are right now. God has conquered and subdued certain areas of your life. How many of you here are surprised nagbagong buhay mo? Are you expecting that? Magbabago ako. No, no, ikaw. But di na ako nagmumura. How many of you are surprised? How many of you here you're thankful nagbagong buhay mo? Mga misis, how many of you are thankful nagbago ang buhay ng mister niyo? Surprisingly, lo and behold, do you understand? Why? Because you cannot stop a small seed of faith, a small seed of commitment, a small seed of, of that word. The word of God says it will not re return, but it will accomplish its purpose. 
It will not return void. Remember this. The reason why Christ wants to harp on this mustard seed because he was simply saying great things start from small beginnings. This is not Milo. Milo every day. This is not Milo. But my God. Do you understand? I mean, I just can't understand what God is up to, but I know in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, if you check your Bible, I am sure of this. That's what is written in that passage. Philippians 1, 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work will complete it. No matter how small it is, ladies and gentlemen, God is serious in finishing whatever he has started. You start small? I'm telling you right now, some of you, I can, some of you here used to be janitors of your company. Now you are in executive level. Why? With whatever God has started, He is faithful to complete it. So if you're in a situation right now, God, I just don't see hope in this marriage, start with a prayer. Start believing God. Remember the kingdom of God is advancing. Stay faithful. You don't feel like reading your Bible? Start with a seed. Start with one minute. I want to be pastor. I want to do it one, one hour a day. We started with one minute. We started coming to serve. We started, I started coming on time. Every time I serve in the ministry. I was, I was the assistant of the assistant of the assistant of the head usher. And I have, my, I have to earn my way. And, and I have to come on time. I have to serve faithfully. Start with that. Start small. Because God wants to honor your five loaves and the boy. Remember the boy? Remember the story of that boy? Five loaves and small. What God is up to is what you have so small and yet He can capitalize in what you have. If you have one and multiply it to a million, it's one million. If you have zero, multiply to a million. It's... Remember, you are serving a great God. And when God is your partner in this life, anything is possible. Remember, the kingdom of God is advancing. We started small. Now we are in 58 nations after 33 years. But 600 churches all across the globe gathered in a stadium, worshiping God believing God for a lot of nations. And when you go abroad, you have a church you can go to. We have a church in South Africa. We have a church in China. We have a church in Latin America. We have a church in every continent. Because we started small. We started humbly. We start with all humility. And we allowed God to intervene. And my prayer for a lot of you here, discouraged, down and out, don't be. You have a God greater than anything. The whatever He has started, I am sure of this, He will complete it. He'll be faithful to complete it, my friend. Hang on, don't give up. Don't quit. No matter how small it is, God is up to something. This is why my dream, and God has given me a snapshot, during the conference, after this, I look and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. This is the very reason why we're naming our organization. 
our movement, every nation from all tribes and, and peoples and languages standing before the throne and the, before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. This is the picture that after what has been said and done, after all the challenges that you face, all of us will worship together, victorious in Jesus' name. So 100 years ago, you failed. I want you to look back. That's nothing compared to the surpassing glory of knowing Jesus Christ and worshiping with the saints. You've been single for the past 30, 40, 50, 600 years of your existence. That will not matter in heaven because we will worship God. Amen! Amen. So stay single. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, trust God. Believe God that you will have someone to fulfill what the Lord has called you to do. Outwardly, the kingdom grows from an insignificant beginning to an extravagant end. And inwardly, the kingdom permeates every facet of our lives, every corner of the earth that brings us to the second part of this parable, the parable of the leavened bread or unleavened bread. Again, he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour, of flour until it worked all through the dough. This picture is a picture of a bread. This transforms bread from the inside out. Just a little bit of what? Of that mixture of yeast. Okay? When exposed to heat, it can grow. And this is what I understand about the gospel. And the word of God mixed into our sinfulness. It can permeate every nook and cranny of our lives. This is why I am highly convinced that there is no other solution for our human heart transformation than for it to be exposed to the gospel. This is my prayer. That if you do understand what I'm talking about, you will agree with me this afternoon that your affections begin to change. Your motive, uh, motives begin to change. Your actions are transformed when you have experienced the gospel. In the first week, first month, first year, probably you are in, in, in the motions of, of growing and maturing. But the more you expose the gospel, you're surprised. Why is this changing? Why am I having a different perspective of life? Why do I have different priorities? Why do I adhere to the standards of God and not to the standards of the world? Bakit explain Because great things start or start from inside out. That you cannot change this outward appearance. It has to begin from deep within your soul. Outwardly. And this parable is a picture that when yeast is exposed, mixed to a heap of flour, it grows five, six, seven, eight, ten times in its normal size. In the same manner, some of you here, you don't know who you really are unless you're exposed to the gospel. You don't know that you're called by God. You don't know that you can speak in front. You don't know that you can, you have a gift. You don't know that God is calling you to places, to nations. You don't have any idea that God wants to, to elevate you and, and prosper you and bless you with a lot of money. Amen. Some of you here, you, can, you don't want a lot of money, right? Because it's evil. No. If you want money, how many of you here, you want money? But not the love of money, right? You want more than enough. Because more enough lang. Anybody here? If you want what is enough, you're selfish. Because you need what is more than Okay, so that you can be a blessing. Do you understand this? And because of this, you're surprised that God is changing your life, transforming you to the kind of person that God wants you to be. 
But just like what we've mentioned, the gospel is represented by the ease exposed to a heap of flour. That it works from inside out. And I do pray that there's no other option, no other way for people like us hearing this message that God, if I've been a follower of Christ for quite some time, I want to be exposed to the gospel because this is the only and the only option that I can see transformation in my life. The power of the gospel starts inside out and there's no other way. And I do pray for all of us that we will embrace that God, my life will change. Ang buhay ko magbabago. Because I have accommodated the gospel. I have allowed my life to be subdued by the kingdom of God. And the more you are exposed to the gospel, the more that you will be surprised that there are certain areas that you know nothing of. Know nothing of without any clue that you need to surrender to God. But I'm telling you right now, God is pleased that you surrender. God is pleased that you're starting from square one. God is pleased that though you're not willing, you want to start with this seed, no matter how small it is, because you know the promise remains to be true, that this is going to advance, this will progress, and the gospel and the kingdom of God will conquer places that are dark and filthy. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ did not stay on His throne to wait for all of us. He went down. I'm telling you right now, He's the best of the best. He's a fighter. He's a commando. He's, he's part of the special forces that He's willing to roll His leaves and, 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 and mess things up for the better because He knows that there's no other way but to go forward. We advance as the kingdom of God advances. There is no retreating, no falling back. This is why I was reminded of the story of Napoleon Bonaparte or Bonaparte for some of you. You're familiar with Napoleon Bonaparte? And his life was really something that um, we can probably uses a reference of somebody who has exemplified bravery. And I don't know if you're familiar that Napoleon Bonaparte did not teach okay, his army the word retreat from the very beginning. If you're part of his infantry, there's only one word that you're taught of, advance. This is the very reason that they're winning fights and battles. Because no army knows the concept of retreat. Ladies and gentlemen, the kingdom and the army and the church and the God that we serve will not retreat and will not back down on anything. He's the best UFC fighter. Went to the cross, stretched his arms wide and say, I'm not backing down. I will sow my life so that people like us can reap in victory. He started small, a simple death, started with about 12 disciples, created a domino effect. And now we're gathered together 
And churches are gathered together all across the globe worshiping God because one man gave his life. It wasn't a huge feat probably for some people. It was just a normal death from the eyes of God. It will make an impact. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you like it or not or feel it or not, every morning as you wake up, the kingdom of God is advancing. Amen and amen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has been conquered, has become the kingdom of our Lord. And of his Christ, he shall reign forever and ever. I do pray that our perspective is someday we will go to heaven. And God is watching from heaven. That's not biblical. The kingdom of God will go down and subdue all dark places of this planet. So expect a different life. Expect a different environment. Because the kingdom of God will subdue, conquer, devour, eat everything that is not His. Because the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. It cannot give up. It cannot quit. It will surely advance whether you're married or not. (laughs) Truth be told, the kingdom of God is advancing. Ladies and gentlemen, we are part of that kingdom. We can call the music team. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. That more than just the inspiration of your word, I pray... That each and every one of us will celebrate that the kingdom is in us. And the kingdom is advancing. And the kingdom will conquer in the coming months, days, and years, and centuries. The things that we see that are bleak and dark. But we know where this life, where this church where this faith is headed it is headed towards something bigger and exciting if you're here right now and you're i just need to pray for for some of you if you're here right now you lose heart and you're discouraged i want you to raise your hand right now with with all uh, heads bowed and eyes closed I, i want you to raise your hand right now and you're saying god i miss this part of my walk with you i miss this part of my relationship with you How come my life is retreating? How come my life is digressing? How come, Lord, tumatanda akong paurong? Lord, I have to embrace that though things might not work the way I want it to be, things might not work the way I want it to be, the things of God are working according to what I want and my prayers of God are still unanswered. Lord, salamat Panginoon that generally, and if I summarize all of this, Lord, I realize one thing. My life is not retreating. It is advancing. So if you're here right now, you're discouraged with the things happening left and right, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Bless you. Just raise your hand right now. Lord, thank you for the hands that are lifted high. If you're a victory group leader, part of our intercessory, approach them right now and just lay your hands and say, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Just approach them right now. Just, just go to them and just bless them. Lord, thank you for the hands that are lifted high. If you're an usher, approach them. 
Lord, thank you that you'll minister to them. That though things are bleak and discouraging, Lord, let them be reminded of that passage in the book of Philippians that you are sure, Lord, that whatever you've started in their lives, you are faithful to complete it. Lord, give them the assurance that you are our hope. You are our life. You are the source, Lord, of everything that we have. And I pray that you bless each and every person in this room. Thank you that we will go out of this room with that faith that our lives are not retreating. Our lives are advancing because we're serving the kingdom of the king who doesn't know how to back down or retreat. So Lord, I pray that as we move forward, give us the strength and the grace. Can we raise our hands all across the room? Lord, I pray for each and every person for grace. That no matter what comes our way, say this with me. Jesus, no matter what comes my way, I will not give up. I will not retreat. I will fight. Because you fought for me on that cross. You can put down your hands. As we continue to bow our heads and close our eyes, if you're discouraged right now, and you're saying, I want to have a fresh start. Gusto ko ng bagong panimula. Gusto ko makilala ang Panginoon. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, and if you want to say, God, I want this kind of life. I want a life that will that will move forward amidst all the challenges. That I will be that kind of person that will not give up. There's no other way but to start with Christ. So as you attend this gathering, and if you want to start all over again, the way to go about this is to accept Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior. And I want our leaders to help me out as we pray this prayer where you want to acknowledge Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to start all over again. May bagong panimula. You want to, to start all over again and you want God to be in control of your lives. Say this after me. Say this, Jesus, if you want to accept Christ, say, Jesus, I repent from all known sins and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, I want to start all over again. I want to follow you and walk in victory against sin, against anything in this world. 